welcome to the Chile Today podcast. I'm Bethany Francis. And I'm Alicia Lubin. We're two broads living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. We explore Chilean news, cultural topics, travel, business, and more. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-weekly English-speaking Chilean news podcast. To learn more about the news topics you'll hear today, check out chiletoday.cl and enjoy quick updates from around the country on Instagram at Chile Today News. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, if you're feeling generous, rate and review us so more folks can interact with our show. If you'd like to hear about a certain topic, have a story to share, or would like to ask a question, contact us directly through Instagram at Chile Today Podcast. Yes, I nailed it. <laughs> it was so good. We're both smiling. I love it. How are you? Yes. Good. Um, let's see. It's kind of dark outside, but I'm nice and cozy in my new socks. So, you know, I'm making it. So I think last episode you got new sheets and now you have new socks. Right. I feel um, like I'm coping with quarantine in a I'm just going to buy things on the internet kind of way. Uh, today... <laughs> We, we broke one of those hooks that are in your kitchen that you keep your dish towels. And I was like, well, I guess I gotta go buy one. I gotta, uh, these are essential. So I got on casideas.cl and I was like, oh, you know what else we need? And just ordered like six things. Got some new um, towels for your new towel rack. Right. Uh, we got like a really fancy strainer and different things like that. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. I love it. I've been doing the same thing. I don't have a Chilean bank account yet, so everything's basically over Rappi or if I find something on Instagram. And I discovered that they have Lush products here. It's so good. <gasps> face yes. masks. And I feel so good. And then I found a Chilean clothing company. I think it's called OE Clothing. And I got some clothes from them. And I love them. They're so snug. OE. Is it? Okay. So... Tell me about this. I need to know. I, I need to know about clothes so I can continue mm -hmm. my addiction. All the money I used to spend it's, on bars is now going towards just random things I'm ordering on the internet. It's OE Clothing Company. And I don't know, they just have, they have really fun clothes and they're comfortable. They're super high quality. I like them a lot. Cool. Kind of and it's always better. Basics too. Oh yeah. I, and I always like, you know, ordering from a smaller company rather than, you know, a big department store. And a lot of the big department stores are just like overrun with, um, purchases right now because I keep purchasing from them. <laughs> Sorry. It's my bad. <laughs> you're single-handedly boosting the Chilean economy. And yes. You're welcome. Deserve a cape. Yeah. And speaking of Alicia, you probably could use your, your like gringo credit cards and debit cards at some of those more major places if you wanted to. I don't, or no, have they not worked for you? I've tried. I've tried a couple of times and they don't work. Um, I've tried. Oh shit. Like, yeah. So I don't know if anybody listening has advice or just hit us up. Let me know. I can spend more money here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also heard now that, um, that Bath and Body Works and places like that are also delivering to your home. So my candle addiction is about to get real through the roof. It's great. 
I'm super excited. I'm about. excited to visit next time. Once this lifts, I'm going to come over. It's just going to be evergreen in one room and like vanilla yes. cinnamon in another. Bethany, I'm so excited. Yes, totally. Though I'm really weird about mixing scents. So it'll just be like, okay, we're only doing one scent right now because I don't want to smell evergreen winter mint peak, peak feed, <laughs> yellow grass or whatever. Just need one scent at a time. <laughs> and Alicia, how are you coping with everything? I feel so good. I feel like this is a, like the new normal. And I had a talk with myself the other day. I was like, all right, you know, we got to make plans. We're going to set goals. Um, so I've been learning Spanish from your Spanish tutor. And she's amazing. Her name's Luce and I love her. Um, so awesome. I've just been like studying and I have some projects in the works and just feel good, focused. How about you? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like we're... I, I watched the, you know, I, you're about to update us on numbers, but I am super I am. excited about the fact that I can see the numbers going down. I feel like the, you know, that I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least for a temporary, like, respite, respite from, uh, from the, the quarantine, just to be able to see people, not even a lot of people, just like, you know, because we should be responsible after quarantine. Um, just to be able to see friends, like give people a hug, you know, a high five, a fist bump, um, will we'll just be so amazing, you know? A bow, a curtsy perhaps. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? Like a hip bump that they used to do on the parent trap. But, oh, know? they did do that. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, Alicia, about the numbers. So... Just quick update. There have been, as of this, as of this recording, there have been three hundred and twenty-eight thousand eight hundred and forty-six confirmed cases, two thousand one hundred and eighty-five new cases, and overall eight thousand four hundred and forty-five deaths. Yeah, um, and I mean, I know that you're kind of going to give us an update about how they're counting all these numbers, right? Yes. Yeah, so. Um, as you know, if you've been, you know, listening in and everything, the health ministers continue to change the methodology of how they're counting everything. And the newest health minister has, again, changed the methodology, um, specifically for the, the deaths um, of the COVID. And according to the latest change, the ministry reports deaths as counted by its statistics department, DEIS, meaning that deaths with a pending PCR test and those suspected to have died of COVID are also counted as corona deaths rather than just ones that eventually, that do test positive or eventually test positive. So until earlier this week, the minister only reported deaths with confirmed, yeah, I just said that. <laughs> um, but this is going to raise the death count quite significantly. Um, so because of this, we probably won't be seeing updates every day of the death count. We'll probably be seeing them every two days or uh, every twice a week. Um, the total has risen so far from 7,290 to 8,347, um, which is not, I think, the most updated numbers because that's not what you said, but I think this is older than yours. Um, the... Um, Numbers of confirmed cases grew from uh, by over 2,000, almost 3,000. Um, it still makes Chile the country with the most corona infections per million. Um, 
And the health minister has added that, especially in the metropolitan region, which has been the epicenter, the numbers are declining. Um, on June 14th, 5,647 new cases were reported in the region, while one month later, just 690 new cases. So, at least here in Santiago, uh, things seem to be cooling down, which is great news for people like you and I and Pinguino, who are living uh, in, in, in Santiago. So. Oh, I have some good news for you. I have some good news for everyone listening who lives in Chile. Great. The government of Chile is launching a plan in five stages aimed at the staggered exit from the quarantine. So they're making moves, guys. We're making moves. The process will be progressive and will be subject to um, certain parameters. Regarding the step-by-step plan for the lack of confinement or getting out of the quarantena, um, an official spokesperson men explained that it'll consist of these five stages. So there's quarantine with limited mobility, which is what we're in right now. Two permits per week. If you have a dog, sorry, you're out of luck. Um, Transition is the next step in which the degree of confinement will decrease, but avoid um, sudden opening. Preparation is the third, and that'll lift the quarantine for the general population with the exception of high risk groups. The fourth stage is initial opening, and that will resume lower risk activities, um, and like minimizing crowds and then advanced opening where activity is increased, but maintaining self-care measures. Mm-hmm. The, um, the official announcement is installed amid the improvement referred to by the Minister of Health and the 13% average national pol- positivity of PCR tests that have been reported. Paula Daza, she's the Undersecretary of Public Health, um, faced with the doubts generated by the considering de-escalation of the confinement um, says that there's going to be a possible relaxation for the people, um, but she emphasizes that the process will be progressive. So it's going to be in stages. They're going to be constantly monitoring numbers, but light at the end of the tunnel, my friend. Absolutely. I'm good with anything. Like, dude, just give me, give me anything at this point. Like, they're like, okay, you know, you can only stay in with like eight quadras of your apartment. I'm like, I'm good with that. Just give me something at this point. I'm so sick of exercising in the stairs. And then the lights went out on floor four again. So it's kind of scary. I guess it adds some excitement running in the basement. (laughs) Am I going to fall on the steps? Who knows? Who could say? (laughs) So less good news. Um, is that Pineda vetoed a bill that would prohibit companies to cut basic services during the pandemic. They've been, um, people have been trying to, people, politicians have been trying to pass a bill that would allow um, the citizens to still maintain their basic services, even if they can't pay. So um, Pineda vetoed this law, um, and this would include services like water, gas, and electricity, if the clients couldn't afford to pay the bill. Pineda said one of the reasons um, was that the, the, the law included free internet access to children belonging to the poorest 60% of Chile. And also it was rejected because one of the provisions said that families that use more than 15 cubic meters of water are not allowed to delay payments. So they want to like limit the amount of water you use which is, you know, crap. Um, 
who who knows how much water you how do you measure that as a like a private citizen like okay well, only one shower a week people um so the party for democracy lower house member raul soto said that piñera has not learned his lesson and that the bill is quote a very is very necessary as it is one that prohibits the cutting of basic services which would bring economic relief earlier the leader of the christian democrats in the lower house Gabriel Silbert threatened to freeze all relations with the government if Pineda used his veto. And he said, quoting, it is a real slap in the face for the most vulnerable sector in the times of pandemic. Emblematic of the division within the current government coalition Chile Vamos, Miguel Mellado of Renovación Nacional said he regrets that the veto is targeting free internet access for the poorest Chilean children, saying, quote, the most important part of the bill is the uh, democratize telecommunications and allow students from the poorest 60% of Chilean families have free access to the internet. Um, Claudio Alvarado, the cabinet minister, said that although the government vetoed the law, none of the benefits in the bill will be infect, uh, affected. Quote, what we are studying are amendments that do not affect the benefits that the law establishes for people, but rather make sufficient and necessary adjustments and accommodations to improve it so that these benefits are in accordance with current legislation, which to me just sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo excuses for not, I mean, for not helping people out in this time. I mean, some lighthearted so, news, the Premios Pulsar 2020 or the Chilean Grammy Awards occurred and Cami or Camilla Gallardo is the Chilean artist of the year. So they had to transition this event to an online platform, obviously, and they allowed people to vote online when the votes were tallied, Gallardo was number one. At the online gala night, she was twice awarded with a new Mapuche-inspired trophy. She oh, cool. received, yeah, she received a prize for best song, um, Aquí Estoy. Together with Gallardo, the indie artist Diego Lorenzini and the trap artist Gianluca were favorites to win awards. Lorenzini won a triple, but Gianluca and other trap artists walked away with no awards. With the absence of trap artists, the urban music scene was represented by Como Asensar a Felipe's CAF, the Santiago band with a controversial band name. Surprisingly enough, CAF won two awards, including Best Album for Naturaleza Muerta. Lorenzini is a respected producer, composer, and designer. His triple included Best Singer, Best Record Design, and Best Rock Artist. The last with his band, Los Nuevos Amigos. The gala was recorded without an audience at SCD Belavista and streamed by Subela Radio. The show included three online sections of various artists, which interpreted La Rosa de los Vientos by Maquisa, Lleve Sobre la Ciudad by Los Bunkers, and La Fuerza de Amor by Miriam Hernandez. The international star, Mon Laferte, received a special award for her song, El Beso, which has been the most played tune on national radio stations. Mon Laferte, I love her. She's amazing. Love. I think she's so interesting, and I think, I think she's just so beautiful. It seems like on the inside <gasps> and the outside. Gorgeous. And, and for me, I don't know. She's so Chilean, too. I, don't, I can't describe it, but like... She's so Chilean, and I love it. Love it, love it. Well, congratulations to all those uh, singers, songwriters. Um, in other news, 
Shifting to international news related to Chile, the Palestinian movement um, Hamas has cheered recent actions by the Chilean Senate opposed to Israel's annexation efforts. Earlier this month, the Senate in Chile voted in favor of a resolution that would, among other things, boycott Israeli products. According to the resolution, quote, Chile has recognized the state of Palestine as a free, independent, and sovereign state. In accordance with the uh, resolutions adopted by the United Nations, thus reiterated, thus reiterating the position of not recognizing any Israeli sovereignty over the occupied territories since June 5, 1967, including the West Bank and East Jerusalem, whose colonization is considered a war crime since 1947 under the Fourth Geneva Convention and the Rome Statute. So that's what um, some of these resolutions are saying in Chile. Um, and also the politicians are emphasizing that an annexation of the Palestinian lands would affect thousands of Chileans of Palestinian origin. Um, so I don't know if you know, Alicia, but Chile is, I don't remember if it's the first or the second largest um, I, co collector. It's the country with the either first or second largest quantity of Palestinian immigrants. So there's a lot of Palestinian immigrants here in Chile and also first, second, third generation Chileans whose families were from Palestine originally. So um, it's pretty cool. I had no idea. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Back when the world opens back up, um, if you want really amazing, authentic Palestinian food, you can go to Patronato and, and get some. It's just amazing. And there's also shops with like Palestinian spices and pickles and all sorts of great things down there. So. Man, it is hard to find a good pickle here. Well, our cultural theme today is food, <laughs> but we're going to actually be transitioning from our obsession with Kiosk Club um, into Chilean foods. Yes, Chilean foods. I'm so excited. We're going to be trying foods from Chile that we personally have not had before. So Alicia's going to start us off talking about some history and stuff. Yes, I'm very excited. I haven't tried a lot of Chilean foods, so this is, this is probably going to be one of my favorite episodes. I'll give you yeah. a brief history of Chilean food. So Chilean gastronomy stems mainly from the combination of traditional Spanish cuisine, Chilean indigenous Mapuche culture, and local ingredients, with later important influences from other European, other European cuisines, particularly from Germany, Italy, the United Kingdom, and France. The food tradition and recipes in Chile are notable for the variety of flavors and ingredients, with the country's diverse geography and climate hosting a wide range of agricultural produce, fruits, and vegetables. The long coastline and the people's relationship with the Pacific Ocean add an immense array of seafood products to Chilean cuisine, with the country's waters home to unique species of fish, mollusks, crustaceans, and algae, thanks to oxygen-rich water carried in by the Humboldt Current. With the arrival of the Spanish conquerors, led by Pedro de Valdivia in 1540, came some of the products that would later become staples of Chilean cuisine. And these include wheat, pigs, sheep, cattle, chickens, rabbits, and wine. Um, they also brought grapes, olives, walnuts, chestnuts, rice, wheat, citrus fruits, sugar, garlic, and spices. Um, the native peoples contributed potatoes, mice, beans, and seafood. Various combinations mm. of these basic ingredients form the basis of most characteristic Chilean dishes. After the establishment of the colony, products and dishes like 
chuchoa, oh, I probably just murdered that, chuchoca, uh, which is coarsely dried corn, umitas, locro, and seaweeds served with boiled eggs became popular. Meals in colonial times tended to be heavy and rich. Lunch was always bigger than dinner, starting with a dish called de residencia, and it consisted of meat, poultry, or meat such as poultry, fish, um, and then sometimes carne, like vaca, um, followed by a guiso stew with choclo, which is fresh sweet corn and potatoes. There were three kinds of bread accompanying the meals, tortilla de rescoldo, Spanish bread made of fatty dough, and Chilean bread, which is flat and crunchy. Lunch and dinner ended with herbal infusions, generally pico to help digestion, and finally fruit for dessert, mainly strawberries um, and other fruits. In the 17th century, pastries were popularized by the nuns who baked them in the churches or the covens. A popular Chilean saying, tiene mano de monja, um, which means he or she has the hands of a nun, comes from this period and refers to someone who is really good at baking or cooking in general. The nuns' pastry recipes quickly became popular among, among the rest of the Chilean population. During the same period, geese and turkeys arrived in Chile from Mexico, and melons and watermelons came from Jamaica. During the 18th century, Chilean cuisine started to become more sophisticated, particularly among aristocrats. Tea and coffee began to replace mate, Chilean wine became popular, and people started to drink chicha, a sweet, mm. undistilled wine made from fermented grapes or apples. Delicious. You've had it. Chicha? Heck yes, girl. Chicha is delicious, and it is a desiocho staple. During um, the early years of Chilean independence – oh, sorry. Did you have something? Absolutely not. You keep going. Okay. During the early years of Chilean independence, the so-called Patria Vieja, Chilean celebrated with empanadas, chicha, the red wine, oh, this is what you were just saying, um, which is still <laughs> traditional today at the annual celebrations of independence. During the 19th century, Chile began to form its own identity and food became a part of this process. Immigration, which had been limited and sort of incidental at the beginning of the Young Republic, was now actively encouraged by the Chilean government between the late 19th century and the early 20th century. The variety of produce increased with the arrival of German immigrants in the south of the country, who had a strong influence on Chilean cuisine, even up till today. They brought with them pork dishes, sausages, and pastries. Today, Berliners and Kuchens are confident bakeries throughout Chile. Italian immigrants contributed pasta and meat products. In the oh, 20th cool. century, yeah, in the 20th century, um, French culture had a strong influence on Chile, including its cuisine. French gastronomy and techniques, in, techniques influenced the preparation of the food and even replaced some dishes. For example, the Spanish tortilla, which was replaced by the omelet. Along with the Italians, Germans, and French came Croatians, Greeks, Palestinians, as mentioned before, Belgians, and Basques. Nice. So that's a very brief overview of the progression of cuisine within Chile. And Bethany and I each have three different, hopefully delicious dishes that we're going to try. My first dish is pastel de choclo, um, which is um, made out of South American corn in the form of something known as humitas, which is a popular dough or which was a used popular dough used by the native Mapuche people to make a tamale-like dish. This humitas corn mixture is combined with the European influence of ground, also known as minced meat. 
Pastel de choclo is a prime example of the flavor combinations that are characteristic of South American cuisine, combining sweet and savory in a very skilled way. It's delicious. Beef, hard-boiled eggs, black olives, and raisins are an unsuspecting combo. But if you tried papas rellenos or pan de jamón, you know how expertly these flavors complement each other. The meat filling of this pie, where the flavors come so expertly into play, is called pino. And in a very, it's very similar to the filling that is found in Chilean empanadas. The meat mixture is quite simple, containing onions, paprika, and a few other spices that are added to ground beef. Sometimes you will even find shredded chicken added to the mix. A key element of the flavoring of pino and what makes it extra special are the hard-boiled eggs, raisins, and black olives, which that part definitely threw me off in the description of the food. I was like, really? That's black olives and raisins? Um, while this sounds like an odd combination of flavors, they complement each other very well. And the egg adds a little bit of creaminess, um, and the raisins add a bit of sweetness, while the olives add a light, salty burst. Yeah, be careful with the olives, because my first pino empanada, my first dieciocho, I definitely broke my tooth. Because they're like, oh, here's no. an empanada, and they didn't tell me there was a, a full-on uh, pitted olive hanging out, hidden there in that empanada. And I was like, nom, 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 crack. And I was like, why is there a rock in here? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's an olive. And I was like, what? <laughs> it, there's a rock. Yeah, tell me how you like it. I love this guy. I'm excited. So it looks like a casserole. Bethany, you and I had a lengthy discussion about casseroles the other day. Um, Delicious. So we have what looks like meat. I do see the danger olives. Uh, I see a boiled egg. And let's see what else we have here. I see some raisins. See. Okay, so I'm going to get a little bit of everything on my fork. Yeah, I usually eat around the raisins. I'm not a raisin fan. I'm a little jealous. I love pasta de choclo. This is amazing. <laughs> it's so good, right? It's so gross. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't hear you chewing at all. Oh, it's incredible. It is so, so, so good. So the meat's a little bit salty. The olives are a little bit salty, but then you have this nice, not even just like subtly sweet texture to the mice, I think, to the corn, the, the baked part of it. It's, it's amazing. It's delicious. It's sweet, yeah. and then it finishes salty, but overall, the balance, it's just very well balanced. Yeah. And for me, when I first had it, I hadn't had anything really like it. It was like corn and meat and all, like in sweetness, but it was, it was really good. I love it. It's super good. I think the closest thing I could equate it to that I've had in the past is maybe a shepherd's pie, but very okay. different still. Yeah. Le uh, more sweet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way sweeter. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're enjoying that. Oh, it's really good. I got it three bites. All right, we'll put that, save that for later. Okay. What's next on the docket? What's next? Eat? We have the chupe de centoya. Super excited about this one. Huge fan of crab meat. Um, when I received this dish, it's literally, it looks all, it looks like it's just mounds of crab. And back in the U.S., crab was kind of a delicacy, right? Like, yeah, definitely. A luxury item. I couldn't afford that. Are you kidding me? Like, Maybe that imitation crab that came in a weird plastic bag and you have to dip it in a bunch of butter. This is not what, what we is had it? Here, Kuri, kurikama? Kunikama? Kurik something like that. Kurikama. It's gross, is what yeah, it's it is. Gross. It's like plastic fake crab. And 
by the way, everything that I'm personally eating today comes from La Casa Vieja Vitacura. So thank you, La Casa Vieja Vitacura. Um, I tried to order food from another <laughs> from another restaurant on <laughs> on Uber Eats and read in the description description and it said congelado and I thought that was a type of veal uh, but it means congelado. frozen so all of the food came frozen so um, thank you to La Casa Vieja Vitacura because I did not have to eat frozen food tonight I appreciate you um, so back to the chupe de centoya so it's a Chilean seafood stew made from Patagonian king crab. Take a look at these Patagonian king crabs. They look amazing. They're gigantic. It's a thick and creamy dish similar to a chowder. The seafood is cooked in a stew with cream, milk, butter, seasonings, and some breadcrumbs, and it's topped with grated Parmesan cheese. I'm so excited. It's a must-try for anyone who wants to experience. It's like a crab cake, tur cake turned into a casserole. Um, so crab cakes are great, but a lot of times you eat crab cakes with like a cracker. You can just skip the cracker and shovel mounds of crab and cream into your face. Um, yes, so shovel all the crab cream. Centoya is Spanish for king crab. Chupe is an informal word in South America for stew. Also feel like I've heard it used in other ways. The rough <laughs> translation of this dish is king crab stew, but it would most more accurately be called a southern king crab casserole. King crab casserole. That's... Yeah. more casserole -y. all right i love anything with crab in it in chile it's 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 nice i'm glad crab is pretty well uh like you said u.s harder to get in chile it's everywhere it's everywhere my friend magdalena and i went to puerto Montt, and if you haven't been there definitely go after the quarantine um they have amazing seafood you can see those little like sea lions and if they have lumps of crab just packages of crab and it's super cheap it's like seven mil so let's give this a try um it looks creamy you can see giant chunks of crab coming out of it it has a nice baked crust which i'm assuming is parmesan it's probably just gonna get a decent dab of that in my mouth mm, yum hmm. do you like it Oh, I love it. It's so good. It oh, is. It's nice. like a casserole. It's creamy and cheesy, but then there's crab. And there's a ton of crab meat in this. And I think I only paid like maybe nine mil for it on Uber Eats. And it comes in a huge container. Um, yeah, this is fantastic. This is everything that you would want in a Amazing. crab dish. Amazing. Yeah, I'm like my mouth's watering. So watching it. Like you. me, Pinguino, me, Pinguino and Diego are just watching you eat like, <sighs> I like some freaking crab over here. I'm getting crabby. Getting crabby. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. So for our third and final Flamayan tasting, we have torta tres leches. So from what I mm. read, there's traditional torta tres leches, and then the Chileans have a somewhat different version of it. So this is the Chilean version. Um, it is a dense, moist three milks cake topped with a cloud of vanilla whipped cream and this one's particularly good because i think they did the whole creme brulee thing and kind of toasted the whipped cream which wow just really mm. giving 110 percent. and what makes it unusual is that after it's baked it's um kind of punctured and then soaked in a mixture of three different milk products evaporated milk sweetened condensed milk and whole milk or heavy cream hence the name tres leches 
So when combined, the three milks create just the right sweetness, density, and mouthfeel for a rich cake, making it moist but not mushy. The cake is one is like a big giant sponge soaking up all of the delicious milk syrup. That'd be okay. <laughs> There's a dispute over where it was first created. It's thought to have come from Nicaragua by most historians, but the cake is very popular also in Mexico, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guatemala, and um, Chile, as well as a few other countries in Central and South America. So condensed milk first came into use in the mid-1850s as a way to preserve milk in cans without refrigeration. Evaporated milk first became available during the 1870s, um, so they both became an immediate success in different areas where fresh milk was difficult to distribute and store. So this cake probably became popular in the early 1900s. And today the use of condensed and evaporated milk is a popular part of Latin American culture. I'm really excited mm. to try this. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm going to let you try it before I give you my opinion about it. No, Bethany, that makes me scared. Okay, hold on. No, 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 no. It's a cake. It's not like going to bite you. Well, I'm going to try this cake now. It okay. looks beautiful. It's golden, not golden brown. It's like just golden, gorgeous. And it's topped with this fluffy whipped cream. Made of gold. It's made of gold. Um, <laughs> there's a few layers in it. It's in this syrup. Mm. It's real sweet. Yeah. That was I was going to say. To me, I can't handle the tres leches because it's so freaking sweet. It's good. It's just very rich. It's rich. Like one bite and you're done, right? Or, I'm I mean, done. I was. Maybe one more for science. <laughs> Maybe just I'll eat this slice <laughs> just for science. And then. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Great. It's too much. It's just too cheesy. Or not cheesy. It's too creamy, like um, too sweet. Okay. So uh, moving on to some, some other Chilean facts. So in the last two decades, Chilean consumption of different meats has actually doubled, according to data from the Agriculture Policy and Studies Office, ODEPA. Um, they went from 39.6 kilos of meat um, in 1991, and it soared in 2011 to 84.2 kilos on average, and not taking into account fish and seafood, which we know Chileans love. Since these have been recorded, meat, uh, red meat, beef, has sort of 50% since the 80s, the late 80s, from 14.7 to 21.7 kilos um, in 2011, while pork has jumped fourfold from 16.1 kilos to 25.7 kilos. Um, but what really stands out is chicken, which has ballooned sixfold since the eight, late 80s from 6.5 kilos to 36.1 kilos. Former Agriculture Minister Luis Mayol said that eating meat is a staple of the Chilean diet and its consumption is very high according to international standards and comparable to OECD countries. According to FAO, um, of the total consumed by Chileans, chicken represents 46% followed by pork with 25%, beef 21%. Mayol also underlined that the meat industry generates and maintains many jobs, and in Chile, both farmers and manufacturers depend on the meat industry. 
However, regarding the increase in, in beef prices, ODEPA argues that the veterinary services are to certain extent to blame for having banned the import of Paraguayan beef since the country has reported outbreaks of foot and mouth disease um, in the past. As to alleged collusion of the prices of chicken farmers, which has happened, Mayol said he was concerned about the industry's transparency and that there was an, an investigation. Um, Mayol also pointed out that even if the claims are proved, prices should not necessarily fall since 16% of chicken, consu chicken consumed in Chile is imported, and this, quote, has helped competition and benefit consumers. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, sure, Mayol. Okay. So everybody that's been in Chile uh, has been to an asado. If you haven't, you should go once everything opens back up. It's a really nice, intimate barbecue, an important life, uh, important part of life in Chile, where family and friends gather to share a meal and a good, and it's uh, great that they do all year round. And while the essential elements, um, meat and plenty of beverages are familiar, there are some distinctive elements that set Chile apart in the way that they do barbecues. So the equipment. At its most basic, a Chilean barbecue consists of a metal grill or a parrilla uh, suspended above a coal or wood fire. Bags of coal for asados can be found at most supermarkets and corner stores throughout the country, and it's a good idea to have some old newspaper available to kindle. Any leftover pack, uh, pages can be used to fan the flames, and if that fails, a hair dryer usually does the trick, which I've never seen somebody use a hair dryer before. You have, Alicia? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this. The best thing I've seen. So most Chilean barbecues start with choripanes, which is spicy chorizo or longaniza sausage on a bread roll, which is uh, maraqueta or a batido, depending on where you come from in Chile, has different names. Um, my boyfriend calls it batido because he's from Vina, but people in Santiago call it maraqueta. I think there's one more name that I don't remember. Um, sorry for the people in Chile that are screaming at me right now, the name that they prefer. Um, and this is usually the first thing that you eat at the asado. Um, it's sometimes slathered in mayonnaise or febre, which febre is if for people from the United States, um, is kind of like uh, pico de gallo, uh, a little wetter. It's tomatoes and cilantro and onions and those kinds of things that they put on everything. Makes your breath smell real good. Um, the meat, although there's always room for variety, the most common options at a Chilean asado are ribeye steaks, long rack of pork ribs, meat skewers called anticuchos. Other popular barbecue choices are lamb and chicken. All the meat is seasoned with a generous sprinkling of salt. It's super common that the grill master will cut these into small pieces and go around serving them. Don't be surprised to watch people pick up these pieces of meat with their fingers. Very common. Um, the drinks of an asado. A full-bodied Chilean red wine is the ideal way to bring out the flavor in your freshly cooked steak. A proper asado will also have a good supply of local beer, Becker or Cristal, maybe. Um, Chilean National Food Consumption Survey, annually taken by the Minister of Health and the Department of Public Health of University of Chile, reveals that 11% of the population eats fish once a week and that the average Chilean eats one and a half maraquetas or batidos, uh, every day. <laughs> it's a lot Interesting. of bread. That's a lot of bread. Do you count it as like a quarter of the portion that you get or a full one? This is the grand debate of Chile. So an actual, I know this guy, the Chileans clap for me. Okay. So an actual maraqueta. So you see it comes in like the four units. 
half yeah. of that, so two small units is one maraqueta. It do- oh, doesn't so make beautiful. sense. No, it doesn't make sense, but that is the way we do it in Chile. But that is a maraqueta or the batido. I'm happy to finally know. I've had, it's been a burning question in my, in my soul for a while now. I'm pretty sure I've been screamed at by drunk Chilean about what a real maraqueta was before. So um, I think that's why it's stuck in my brain. That and I'm like, my boyfriend's Chilean. So <laughs> I know this. Anyway, so that's the, the legend of the batido slash maraqueta. Um, they eat a lot of bread. What, I think Chile, Chile is one of the countries that eats the most bread like per citizen. Like really Chileans love their bread. Love it, love it. Pan con palta. Don't get me started with this Chileans. Love it. Okay. So anyway, maraquetas. However, the survey also claimed that 50% of Chileans eat the recommended five fruits and vegetables per day. So not all unhealthy, of course. And around 33% of the population eats uh, lentils and beans at least twice a week. Uh, So despite this, vegetarians, especially those from abroad who are used to many opportunities and options for vegetarian food, will have a hard time finding good options, um, though this is getting better. Um, It's funny because, you know, in Spanish, you have the word carne, which is in English, the translation is meat. But it's not really the same because carne is red meat. So when some people, like at restaurants, think vegetarian, they think they don't eat red meat. It's, right. Yeah. It's getting better, though. In Chile, it is absolutely – in the since I've been here in Chile, it has gotten better. There are some vegetarian restaurants. And actually, um, I ordered food today. One of the things that I'm going to eat is from a vegetarian restaurant, because I wanted to make sure your veggie people out there had an option, called El uh, – El Naturista. It's like nature without an E, Ista. Naturista and Naturista. And you can order um, ready-made food um, to your home that you can just heat up in the microwave and everything. And it's all vegetarian and it's all natural. Like they make all their own juices and everything, which is pretty cool. So you can put that on your option. You can order that in quarantine. Um, So now let's talk about once. This still confuses me. And I think this confuses a lot of gringos. Um, it's basically Chilean tea time. And, um, so if you spent any amount of time here in Chile, you've probably heard of or seen once. Um, but basically what it is, is elevensies or Chilean tea time. It is confusing since once means 11 and it does not take place at 11. It takes place before dinner or in place of dinner. A lot of Chileans don't actually eat dinner. They eat uh, breakfast, lunch, and once. And which I always think is really weird. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm glad my boyfriend's not an once person. We do have the very like typical like North American breakfast, lunch, dinner. But um, it's very, very, very typical in Chilean families. Each family does once differently, but meal is served usually between 5 and 9 p.m. That's why a lot of times if you're walking in the street in Chile around these times after work, you'll see people in coffee shops talking, eating cake, um, Chileans, and this is usually bread with a cake, something sweet, um, maybe jam, avocado, tea, or coffee. And of course, Nescafe is super popular in Chile, which gross. Um, so. Love it. Can't get enough of it. No, you're kidding me. 
I'm the biggest Nescafe fan. Girl, it is no, okay. I just okay. I'm just gonna ignore that. Drip coffee, be damned. Oh uh, no. Okay, I'm just gonna ignore that. Tuck that away so I don't. Th- I don't think poorly of you. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll drink, uh, Nescafe when I'm desperate and need to wake up and, uh, don't mind, um, losing my shame for being an American and loving me some coffee. 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 Um, okay. So onset, the definition of it, there's, it's really highly debated on where it came from. A lot of people agree that it probably came from 11 Z's or the idea of 11 Z's. Um, however, there are other um, theories because um, it, it's not eaten around 11 and usually you tomar once or take once. Um, there are other theories is uh, that it used to be a break in the day where uh, when in, back in the day when people did farming where people would drink aguardiente, which aguardiente has 11 letters and aguardiente is a strong alcoholic beverage. Okay. So friends, family, um, lend me your ears. I'm gonna, for my meal, my first meal, I am, um, I was kind of scrambling, figuring what I was going to eat. And I was doing this research on once and my boyfriend's like, well, we have a bottle of aguardiente. And I was like, oh, I've never had just straight up aguardiente. Like I've had it mixed in Chilean. Um, Chilean drinks before, like cola de mono and things like that, where they usually evaporate most of it out, but I had never like had it, had it. And so here on this podcast, I'm going to take a nice hefty shot of aguardiente. So, um, bottoms up. Oh, the face. Oh, the face. Oh, no. Oh, no. I did it. Oh, God. Uh, Is this like the drinking <laughs> chemicals that Trump was talking about? Did you just do that? I think you- I just drink. <laughs> There's no way I'm getting coronavirus now. <laughs> I will say, like, it, <laughs> it burns. But <laughs> there is like a nice little palate sweetness going on. Like, there's a little bit of, I can taste a little bit of like uva there. I, no, it's like nice. Don't take a shot ever. No, Don't you're ever already do drunk. That. That's just what happened. You're you're flawed like, right now. That's why you think it tastes good. <laughs> right. No, but I'm I'm saying like there is a little bit of like sweetness to it. It's not like taking a shot of vodka or tequila where you're just like somebody help me. I need to eat something because I need to get the flavor out of my mouth. Um, the flavor of the back flavor is actually surprisingly good. So I would not drink that though at all. Uh, my work breaks no if my students are listening I don't drink during work all the time okay <clears throat> so that my friends is ardiente so here's the thing it was hard hard for me to find things in Chile which is why I took a shot that I haven't had because I've been here for almost seven years so I've had a lot of things um so let's talk about cocha yuyo <laughs> Um, the reason I haven't had, and I also have a chupe here, which as Alicia talked about is like a casserole. Um, so this is 
chupe de cocha yuyo. The reason I haven't had this is I hate cocha yuyo, <laughs> but I'm once again taking a bullet for the podcast. So, what is cocha yuyo? It is called. Um, I feel like I'm gonna burp right into the microphone. That's <laughs> gonna taste like aguardiente. Uh, it's called Derveille Antarctica is like the scientific name. It's known as Cochayuyo in Chile, and it's um, popular in really two places, Chile and New Zealand. Um, and the, in New Zealand, they call it Rimurapa. So it's a large, robust species of southern bull kelp. You definitely have seen this. If you have been to a beach in Chile, this is that gross ass stuff like algae that washes up on the shore like and i know look look if you like cocha yuyo which a lot of people do power to my boyfriend likes cocha yuyo but i'm not a fan personally so as i said um you've definitely seen this if you haven't eaten it it washes up on the shore um very popular in chile new zealand um it's <laughs> It's an algae. It does not have an air bladder, whatever that means, but floats due to a unique honeycomb structure with the algae's blades. So actually, if you, it's popular to eat cochayuyo as like chips. And if you cut it, like the chip, you can see that it has like a, has like a honeycomb kind of interior. Um, so yeah. And it's used in cuisine. How are some of the coast? Um, used in salads and stews, and the word cochayuyo is actually Quechua, which is one of the native languages they speak in Peru and in Bolivia. My boyfriend's family is from Bolivia, and some of them speak Quechua, which is really, really cool. Um, cochayuyo means uh, literally cocha, lake, and yuyo, weed. Like, so it makes sense, right? Lake weed. Um, so the Mapuche indigenous people often refer to it as coyofe or coyof. So they also had um, their own, like it's, so it's not just like a, a like a, there, a lot of people have been eating this algae for a very long time in Chile. And actually when I said it was popular in New Zealand, it was popular with the indigenous people in New Zealand also. So it's a cuisine from many, 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 many years. Um, from the beginning of the country, really, and the people there. So <laughs> I have a question for you, Alicia. What do you think the expression remojar el cochayuyo means, which means to wet the cochayuyo or to wet the algae? Um, if you make out with somebody for the first time? Girl, super close. Um, <laughs> it, it means to have sex. To, it is close. And I understand. You know, the whole, oh, yeah. It makes sense. To wet the, the algae. To, <laughs> this is actually a super common Chilean phrase that they use here. Remoja el cochayuyo. So if I'm like, hey, Alicia, Alicia did you remoja el cochayuyo? You know exactly what I'm talking about. This is going to be on the test podcast, people. Remember all of the There's sexual phrases. so many visuals that I have right now. Right. So the expression derives from the fact that harvested, um, after it's harvested, it is preserved by being sun-dried and then softened by soaking it in a dish of, in a dish of water. So you, you wet the algae to cook it. 
Um, so that's what I got about Coach Ayuyo. This is as um, as Alicia explained, it's chupe, so it's sort of like a. I'm super trying to stay like sober here. The reason, <laughs> the reason, the re really the reason why I drank the the aguardiente before I ate this is because I hate Cocho Yuyo so much that I was like, I need to be a little drunk in order to like do this thing. Um, I love your dinner of like rubbing alcohol and seaweed though. Sorry, lake weed. Lake weed. Um, typically my dinners do involve at least a little bit of rubbing alcohol, but uh, not typically seaweed unless it's like nori. Um, okay, so I'm gonna try this. There's, okay, it looks like cat food. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to offend the Chileans in the audience. It it looks like uh, it's brown. It looks like it has carrots in it and maybe some beans. Um, it is completely vegetarian, according to the. Um, ooh, oh, it smells. Oh God, <laughs> what does it smell like? I'm. A, it smells like feet. <laughs> eat it okay i'm gonna do this it has cheese on the top so i'm gonna stick to the i'm gonna do the like i'm gonna get a nice mouthful so i can tell you guys how it tastes but okay can i count comes. down for you no i'm okay i'm, I'm, I'm okay mm -mm. <laughs> sorry about that um ladies and gentlemen i did not get that down I'm so sorry, Chile. I did not mean to insult your traditional. Right. <coughs> you yuck. I'm so sorry. You can cut me spitting it out, out if you want, Diego <laughs> and Pinguino. If you want, or if you think it's funny, keep it in. But I really tried to swallow that. I just couldn't. It was funny to watch. Oh, geez. I'm so glad. It was, um, so it tasted like you're eating algae like it's what it tastes like um but not like but very potent you know what i mean like when you eat a nori it's very like subtle in its flavor i like like seaweed that you eat in like japan which is why kocha yuyo for me is so it's so powerful and i have had kocha yuyo that i've liked like i have had it um i don't remember how i had it my boyfriend gave it to me one time and was like you should try this i didn't know what it was trying and he was like he gave it to me and i liked it and i was he was oh my god i can taste it on my breath oh my god okay anyway uh if you're brave you know honestly a lot of, like i said a lot of people like that this just might be a me thing right so I encourage anybody to try something for the first time. If you don't like it, like I'm one of those people, I'll try anything once, uh, but please don't make me eat it again. So I just made myself eat that again. Um, okay. So the last thing I'm actually really excited about this one. Um, I'm, I was actually surprised that I had never had this before because it's super, super typical Chilean. And my boyfriend made it for me. He cooked it. He, yeah, he loves to cook. And so I said, like, we're doing a food podcast. And he asked if he could make something typical Chilean. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. This is brotos con riendas, which is super typical. And it is... And it is a traditional Chilean dish. And porotos, of course, is the Chilean word for beans. You know, they say more Chilean than uh, poroto because that's how Chileans say beans. And it's very unique to Chile. It's typically served in the winter. So nowadays, it's made with a base of spaghetti and beans. The riendas 
is por otro con riendas because rienda is what they call like the what is it called like when you have a horse and the oh what are they called dang it aguardiente reins yes exactly um and so the spaghetti is, is the reins so beans with reins basically um because it looks like that uh it's a really easy recipe you can use any any type of bean really um typically made with like a, a type of pinto bean um, and it's considered like a real comfort food in Chile. And really, I'm excited about this because it looks absolutely delicious. It is, um, it is definitely beans. There's like maybe some sort of pepper in here or a tomato. I can't tell if it's a bell pepper or a tomato. Topped with a chorizo, like a nice chorizo and bacon. There's bacon in here. Oh, see, I'm going to love this. It's abs- I'm saving best for last. This is my reward for all the suffering I've gone through. Um, so let's see. Let's let me pull this off. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, it's got pumpkin in it. Oh, nice. Yum. I love chili and pumpkin. It's so good. Oh, this is really, really good. I love it. It's very hearty. You know what I mean? Oh, it's great. The beans are really good. I don't know what kind of beans these are. They're white, uh, white beans. Maybe it's a pinto bean, like it said. Uh, the bacon goes really well. It's like a smoky flavor. It's really, really good. Mm, highly, highly recommend. Um, my, there's a lot of beans, so my stomach might hurt later. But super good. Super good. Highly recommend. I'm just going to another bite. Mm. Yes. Oh, that's so good. It's very like, yeah. And there's a lot of flavors because you have the bacon, you have the chorizo, you have the beans, you have the, and I don't know, like there's spaghetti in it, but it's not even like, I know it sounds weird, but it's not even like really an essential part of it. I feel like you could have it without the spaghetti and it would be totally fine too if you're not a huge pasta person. And also if you're not a huge pasta person, what is wrong with you? Come on. So anyway, that is... Those are my dishes. Thanks for listening, Alicia. They sound amazing. Well, one of them does. One out of three does. Well, honestly, I'm chewing. Honestly, the the diente is good. Just don't take a shot of it. Or unless you're like, if you like liquor, I feel like it would be a good um, liquor to try because it's, you know, it's very typical. Like I said, it has a really good... Um, aftertaste maybe don't take a shot of it <laughs> i don't know maybe mix it in with wipe. gatorade right mix it in with gatorade like a real american and um the go around shirtless in a pickup truck <laughs> isn't that what all americans do <laughs> thank you guys for listening to our podcast we love you guys please, please feel free to reach out. Tell us what you want to hear. Um, if you have a cool story about Chile, about living here, about your favorite restaurants and your favorite food, if you want to like scream at me because Cocha Yuyo is your favorite thing that you've ever had in your whole life, totally do it. We're open to suggestions and we want to hear your stories. We want to know who you are, who are our listeners. Um, and uh, what's your favorite Chilean dish? Tell us. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, Stay safe and salt your seaweed. (laughs) Soak that seaweed in water. Soak that seaweed. Bye. (laughs) Bye.